Kweku, tell us why history is important. As Marcus Gave said, a tree without roots is no tree at all. Mm -hmm. So for everything to grow, there must be a root. And history is the root of everything. So as a root, history tells us where we come from, how things happened, and the way we can learn from it to develop for a better future. But so history is not just learning about the past. Mm. It is also a lesson that we can, we can learn from that history to live a better life, to develop a better nation. That is why history is in every aspect of life. It's a mother of all studies, all discipline. Every discipline when you are studying, it first starts with the history of it. Science has its history. Economics has its history. Without economic history, you cannot know where you went wrong and how to develop or build upon the economic policies that were there, that failed, and the way you can move forward. Mm. And one of the major problems we even have in this country is that we don't even study economic history, which is a serious mistake that needs to be corrected. Why is it that the history we learned in school usually starts with the coming of the Europeans. What went, because I believe we had history before they came, but it seems to me as if a lot of the history we do, at least from school, is from the Europeans coming. Can you explain what went wrong and how, what, what, what's really going on there? It is because of the formal education. The formal education, as you know, sitting in classroom and studying and that sort of thing, was European thing. And we, the writing as we done in English is also a colonial thing. So the people that were educated were also imbued with that idea. And so the study of history then became more of study of European history. As uh, uh, um, one Oxford professor said, the history of Africa is the study of Europeans in Africa. And what is wrong, okay, what is wrong, uh, he was called Trevor Roper. He said, make that statement. Because like you said, um, the history of Africa we have the pre-colonial history, what we did. And there is a lot of important history there, even before the coming of the Europeans. We will not do a full session on pre-colonial history, but I want you to, for the next two, three minutes, give us one or two highlights of the people in this part of the world called Ghana. One or two things about us before the colonialists came. One or two things, just one or two highlights or elements of pre-colonial history? For instance, we know that the Guans were in the coast. Some were even in Cape Coast, some were even in Anomabo, some were even in Mankesim. Okay? We also know that the Africans built kingdoms and empires, even in Ghana. Okay? Which were the Ashantis have the Ashanti mm -hmm. empire right in the hinterland, which was unknown to the white people on the coast. All these things happened. So it is important that we go back and study some of this pre-colonial history and then we will understand how best or things that we were doing before the Europeans came. Some argue that even when the white men came, we were naked and now some were, we were even living on trees, which is not true because people were wearing dress, they were wearing wool dress and so on. The origin of Kente, it is not a white man's idea. It is an African idea 
of weaving where they learn from the ideas of spider and then they put it into a wonderful tapestry. So these are there. Talk to me briefly about the Guans because when we study history, typically we discuss Ashanti, Fanti, Ewe, Gan. Not too much is said about the Guans, like you said. Again, I've heard that the Guans, you can travel to different parts of Ghana and they are there. What else do we need to know about Guans? Give me just a minute and a half on Guans. Okay, so the Guans were Aboriginal people. They were in the coast before most of the other uh, Ghanaians came. They were also in the hinterland. So the Guans were, we have the coastal Guans, which are the Futu, the Obutu, the Winiba, as well as the, uh, the Winiba are the Futu, and then we have the Egutu, Senyabreku. All of them are Guans. Elmina originally was also a Guan settlement. So is Egwafo, and so is uh, Mori, uh, Asebu, and then Elmina, which is Edna. Then from the coastal Guans, we have the hilly Guans. That is the Kriapium. I'm talking about the latter people, as well as the people of Okre, or some people call the uh, uh, Okripompo, that group. They are Edukrom, Aprede, Awukugwa, Ebru, and all those people up to Abansi, Asasia. So all of them are the people that are called uh, the hilly Guans. Then you go to the what, what we call the Reverend Guans. They are at Apafu, Santro Kofi, Lipe, Buem, and so on. They are also uh, 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 what we call the Reverend Guans, which are in the Volta region now in Oti region. So Oti region now is fully Guan region. Then if you go to the Northern Guans, you are moving up to Katakrache, all of them, they are also Guans, up to even Pandai area. They are also Guans. Then within the Gonjas, the Nauri people, they are also Guans. Fascinating. Just a quick addition. Is it true that Guans have a similar language and that they can, their language, their dialects are mutually intelligible? Is it true? That is true. So you see some of their language, like a word like Ope, which is like a, 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 a Suman or a, a charm. You, you go to Winiba uh, or Ewutu, they score somebody Ope, Abe. Mm? When you go to Krapium, uh, that area, you also call so Pei. So I Pei. The same name, Ope and uh, uh, Pei, they are the same name. So it shows you common linguistic pattern amongst them. And the beautiful thing is that, in as much as sometimes someone may not be able to speak one Guan, whatever another Guan group speaks, he understands us. That is why we say there's an internal mutuality in the in the language fin final or inter internal intelligibility in the language final issue there, there used to be a guan congress how do they have a sense of unity or they are just different because you know that different groups come together do you can you tell me a bit about whether they've tried to come together to work as a group or to sort of have one meeting or something is that is that something they, they did this was uh, started by uh, late kwame ampene Okay, who, who did well to bring them together? There was a, a brigadier, Mensanunu, was part of it. Major O2, uh, then the former uh, uh, F, first Air Vice Marshal O2 was also part of it. Then you have one uh, electrical uh, Edu, well, all part of it. And they did as much as possible to try to bring all the Guan groups together. And there, is a, there are a lot of conference papers. If you go to Institute of African Studies, they have a, 
built large volumes of work that they did to try to bring the guans together but for the fact that they are living in different isolated communities it makes it difficult to bring them together but they have a sense of who they are that they all know about that we are now moving to the coming of the europeans we've been taught many many things i think 1472 or so can you fill some of the potholes and the misconceptions about which were the first Europeans who came, where they came from, who was with them. Can you give us a bit of correction of part of that history we've had in our schools? Okay, so um, when we talk about the coming of the Europeans, we, the first people to arrive on the coast were the Portuguese. They landed in a place called Yabio, which is uh, within Shama and then Elmina. So they, they came to Gold Coast in 1471. The captains of the ship were Escobar and Santaram. Those were two people who came. And according to them, when they landed on the coast, there were a lot of gold dust on the coast. So they see the place to be Damina, which became a gold. So they called the place name Elmina, which came out of it. It's about gold. And then the coast also became Gold Coast from that same Portuguese words. It's in, in Spanish was the Amina, but when the British came, the word was changed. And it turned, uh, the English interpretation is Gold Coast, as we have. So, Elmina 1471, the first group was the Portuguese. Then a year later, Don Diego de Azambuja also came. And then he came to settle in Elmina, met the chief at the time. And then later, he went back and then he came in 18... Uh, 1482 and then the Elmina Castle construction started. So that is how the European came. After the, uh, after the Portuguese came, then the Spanish also made an attempt to come and stay. But they fought with the Portuguese, so they had to go back. So the first woman to be educated in the Gold Coast were, was taken by the, uh, the Spanish, who took them, by Captain Gomez, who took that lady, he's called uh, Araba Mansa. But when he went to, um, how do you call it, uh, Europe, he changed her name to Isabelita Harmonica, okay, who is the first person to be educated in the Gold Coast, a woman from Elmina. This should be 16 something, 1642, oh, thereabouts. Is it? Kwame Nansa. So that was the Elmina chief. So that was the, and after the Portuguese, then came the, as I said, the Spanish. After the Spanish, then came the Dutch. The Dutch also came here, they settled in Elmina. That's why Elmina people have a lot of Dutch names. Then after them, the Swedes also came. The Cape Coast Castle was built by the Swedes. Okay? So after the Swedes, the French also came. They tried to settle at South Pond, but they didn't get the, uh, the consent of the local chiefs. After them, then also came the Danes. They built, as you know, the Christabon Castle, uh, uh, as well as the Fort Presenstein at uh, Qatar. Okay, so that, that is them. And after them also came the Germans. So the Germans were in the western region for Frankisberg, which is in Takwadi, for Sebastian. Where all, uh, for Sebastian was by the Dutch and Frankisberg by the, by the Germans. So the Germans too were here. And then uh, lastly, the British were the last group to come. And then they built a lot of forts, including the fort at Anomabo and so on. Uh, according to a uh, Gold Coast Observer, some of the old men then wrote that um, um, the 
ship, the ship captain of the Azambuja, when they were coming, Christopher Columbus was a member. And then he came to Elmina and landed at the Abenya River, Abenya Lagoon, which you see when you go to Elmina, that big lagoon there, where they do their canoe regatta during the, uh, the Abekatue Festival. It is where, they, according to the oral tradition, Christopher Columbus' uh, ship that was carrying Azambuja and Co. came to land. And then they took about three Elmina uh, fishermen and they sent them. So when Columbus was going to um, discover the new world, which is now America, these people were part of it. They were three brothers. All their name is recorded in the Spanish history. Um, for those of us who don't know the Fantis, we hear a lot about Mankesim. We hear a lot about Elmina. We hear a lot about Cape Coast. Is there some sort of ranking of important fanti towns? Use that to explain to us the, the, the important places among fanti land. And then we'll talk about the people also later. Okay. So the fantis, as you know, are people who were staying in Techiman. And then they left Techiman to seek for a new place to live. They are, every fanti history as is recorded, they were led by Nana Oburman Kuma, Odepejan and Osun. These three people brought them from Techiman. And when they crossed the river uh, Pra, they, they, these elders had died, except Osun, until they reached Mankesim. When they reached Mankesim, there were uh, Aboriginal Eti people who were living there at a place called Adwejil. So when the Fantis fought them, their chief was called, Adwejil chief of the Eti was called Nana um, Akraman. So when they fought, the Fantis defeated them. Then they chased them away and he moved straight to Apam uh, Gomua area, a place called Gomua Kraman. Then the Fantis settled at Adwejil and then they renamed the place Mankesim, which is, means a big town. And then they settled there. So the Fantis that came, they were of different groups, the, 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 the Benti, the Anafu, and the rest, all these groups, the wards. But today, these fanti groups now are divided into about six. 